Welcome to the Dr. Wendy Rhodes Show. This podcast is designed for those who want to heal from the emotional and mental traumas sustained from childhood to adulthood. I am an overcomer of domestic violence, sexual assault, and rape as a teenager. It took a while for me to realize that I am not my trauma. I take my 20 plus years of experience in healthcare along with my spiritual healing to assist women healing, overcoming, and living in exile. They learn self-love redefined that is beautifully integrated with love so that they too will know that they are not their trauma. Healing is definitely your portion. I am your host, Dr. Wendy Rhodes. In today's episode, I would like to talk about the misconception of what I thought my life was going to be like. Well, I grew up and I was a very smart young lady. I mean, very funny and just laughed about a lot of things. I mean, I was so smart that I was in the third grade. They wanted to put me into sixth grade classes. And so I did take some sixth grade classes, but my mom was like, no, she need to grow up with the kids that that's her age. So I did just that. But as time moved on, you become a little boy crazy like myself. But um, so let me go back a little bit. I grew up in the church, and um, it's so funny that even though you grow up in the church, sometimes you don't pay attention. My uncle was the pastor, and um, oh, he was a good pastor. It's just the fact that we were kids, and the only thing we did was just played, and that's all we wanted to do was play, and uh, we went to Sunday school and, and different things like that, but we always looked forward to that donut. Because like right at the end of um, of Sunday school, they always had these donuts because it was a donut shop like right down the street. So we would um just sit there and um, eat those donuts. And then when it was time to go up to the sanctuary, my mother had her eyes on us the whole time pretty much because me and my brother, we used to play around a whole lot. And um, so we would just play around. So basically, we were just there. And um, I don't remember learning too much, but I tell you, I can remember actually paying attention one particular day that um, I just felt like, I don't know, I just became really emotional while I was in the sanctuary. And they had, um, you know, they always play that come to Jesus. They'll start singing come to Jesus just now. So I think I was about nine years old. And so I walked up there and I gave my life to God. And at nine years old, I um, I got baptized at, at nine years old. And so now I'm going to fast forward because like we still went to vacation Bible school. We did the summer thing and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But now we get into this being boy crazy thing. Something happened like there was a switch. And so I became boy crazy. 
as I became boy crazy, um, I had the long jerry curl. So let me say that I had the long jerry curl and um, body was developing and different things like that. And and so um, I used to go over to my cousin's house all the, all the time. But like the school that was over there by her was always um, cute boys. We didn't really have a whole bunch of cute ones over there where I lived at, but over there where she lived at, it was always some cute ones. And so I started liking this one guy, but he had a whole bunch of um, brothers and cousins and they all had long jerry curls and they dressed really nice. And so I was just like, ooh, them the pretty boys. So I called them the pretty boys. And the pretty boys... Um, you always knew that they stayed in groups and packs together. But the youngest one was probably about my age. And this is where my life changed. And there was some twists and turns that happened in my life at this point. So I started talking to the youngest one who was um, about my age at the time, 13, going into 14, or well, we both was probably about 14, I believe. Um, I know when I first let, met him, I was about 13. But he didn't live um, right in my neighborhood. But this one particular day, like we started talking on the phone. And this one particular day, he called and said that he was in my neighborhood. And he was like, why don't you come over? So where he was at, he was probably about 10 minutes away. And um, so I went over there. And girls, ladies, you know that when you're excited about, you know, oh, this boy, he's so cute. You're not thinking about nothing else but just that he cute and that he like you. That's all you're thinking about is he's just cute and he likes me. But my life changed that day because I go over there and it was him. And like I said, the pretty boys all ran in packs, but my young 14-year-old mind did not say to me, hey, something could happen to you over here. Because I was thinking he just liked me just that much. But that's the naive brain of a 14-year-old that's infatuated with boys. So what I did is I um, went in and I mean, they had music on, but back then that wasn't unusual for people to have music going and everything. So I just end up um, just going anyway and was in there and sitting there talking to him. Then he asked me to go into a room with him. And, and so I go in the room with him um, and I'm thinking it's just going to be me and him. And yeah, it was just me and him, all right. They turned the music up. They turned the music up. And it was four of them, one of me. And the rest is history. So they raped me. At the age of 14, I was raped by four guys. But I'm not telling you this story to get sympathy from anybody. But I'm just telling you about the twists and turns of life and, and how things change so suddenly. Um, when I look back in my younger years, 
like even like being eight, nine, ten years old, I never thought about what I really wanted to do with my life. But then at 14, everything went into being a blur anyway. And so my life changed. Even that night, I was uh, on my way home. Well, one of the guys was walking me home with a brick held to my head, literally holding a brick to my head, threatening me that if I told anybody that he was coming back to get me. And I never did tell him. But the thing is, is back then, were you thinking about parents back then? They pretty much kept a really close eye on their kids. And if you did something, you did something wrong, it definitely wasn't after the streetlights came on. Well, when I came rolling in the house, the streetlights was on. So I get in the house. My 14-year-old brain said that I'm more afraid of getting in trouble for coming in the house after the streetlights versus coming in and saying, Mom, I'm hurt. I was raped. I didn't do that. I never did. I just took my punishment, which at the time at 14, my punishment was not going outside for a week or two or something. And, you know, Basically, I really had shut down because like I was a little bit rebellious, but not too bad because I didn't do a whole lot. Like, I mean, you know, I don't know, but I was a little bit rebellious, but not too bad. I'll say that I wasn't stealing anything. I wasn't doing, you know, a whole bunch of bad stuff. It's just school just started being a little bit different for me. Like I would cut. So that was my rebellion. It wasn't like I was stealing or doing drugs or anything. But what I will say is after, after being raped, then that's when I started hanging out with different people because I had shut down. So the vibrant, happy, laughing all the time person that I was, she was non-existent and she was gone. And so I started hanging out with certain people that smoked weed and that drink, that parents really didn't pay them too much attention. Like they didn't care if they went to school or not. But what I will say is that the one thing about those people that I hung out with, even though they were in gangs and different things like that, they wouldn't allow me to get in trouble with them. Because they would always say, you one of the good kids. We let you hang out with us, drink and smoke and this, that, and the other. But we ain't going to let you get in no trouble. But I'm just going to move forward from that. It's funny that I think about stuff like that. And I say, who would I have been had that not happened to me? I was lost, confused, I was angry, but most of all, I blamed myself. So I just carried around this guilt for a long time because of it, because I kept saying I put myself in that position. But that's what I was thinking that maybe possibly my mother would have said, is that I put myself in that position. But at this point, being 51 years old, And at that time, being 14, my mind says differently now versus what it was saying then. See, my mother, 
she is very loving and caring and compassionate and um I was able to actually write about this in a book in 2020. But two weeks before the book came out, I had to call her. And I told her what happened. And now I feel bad for not telling her because I deprived her of the opportunity to help me. But I don't feel guilty for that, but that was my 14-year-old brain at the time, just saying that, because that that was my brain at the time. But moving forward, you get in these relationships, and you expect one thing, and then you end up getting another. So this is just the introduction of the person that you guys are going to be listening to here on this here podcast. I lost trust. I lost faith in people because of that. But then, probably six months, seven months later, I grew up with this guy that had been friends with the family forever. He always made me laugh and he started, you know, trying to come on to me or whatever. Close to 15 at this point. And then he made me feel like I could trust him. And so I started liking him. He was really a friend of my brother's and my brother said, don't, don't talk to him. Don't do that. But in my 15, 14, close to 15-year-old brain was not telling me that. What it was telling me is he don't tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. I'm already hurting. I feel numb anyway. He's making me feel good. So we started hanging out. Even started, I started going over his house all the time, but he only lived like a couple of doors down from me. So what was the harm in that? Well, I decided I wanted to just give myself to him. I gave myself to him several times. I snuck out of the house at night. I would leave the door unlocked to try to get back in the house. And I was successful quite a few times until my dad called me and he locked the door on me. And I had to sit outside. See, my mom was the disciplinarian and my dad was the enforcer. He didn't have to say much to get to get my attention. But I still decided to continue to sneak out of the house just to get down there to him. And I did. They say what's done in the dark comes to the light. Believe that. I found out I was pregnant. I went to the free clinic, which was right not far from the house. Asked my sister to go with me. Went to the free clinic. I found out I was pregnant. And at the age of 15, 
two weeks before my 16th birthday, I found out I was, um, I had, gave birth, I'm sorry, I gave birth to my son at the age of 16. I mean, two weeks before I turned 16, sorry. Two weeks before I turned 16. As if the rape wasn't a low blow from the beginning, the second low blow was this particular person telling me that my child wasn't his. I said, wow. And I didn't have time to sit up there and try to um, argue with him or this and that because I'm already to that point that I'm already broken on the inside. So now here comes the embarrassment of it all that he says it's not his. And I didn't know what to do at first. But then I thought about it. Get your big girl panties on, pull them up. You got to do what you got to do. My mom had told me, you're going to finish school. You're going to make something out of yourself. And I did just that. But I had to raise my son. (laughs) It's weird that even though I went through those hurts, because I was call myself being in love with this this guy, because I mean he was like family for the most part, but I was in love with this guy, and here I go, I'm broken again. So I had to move forward. <laughs> the things that we do as teenagers, oh my God. So. We moved forward the age of 16. Now, I knew this guy when I was like 12, 13 or whatever. I met him down at the carnival. And so a lot of people don't tell these stories about themselves, but they so significant because it develops us into who God called us to be. And it strengthens us to help other people. Well, this guy pops up out of nowhere. Hadn't seen him in a long time. He didn't even know where I lived, but he knew what street. So he pops up and we hang out. I got my son and he was real nice to my son. He was sweet to my baby and That's all I knew is that he was sweet to my baby. And all of a sudden, a couple of months into this, my cousin comes home from the service, comes over to the house. He asked me if I would show him where my sister lived. Now, I've never been under anybody's thumb or controlled by anybody but my parents. So I jump in. So the guy that I was dating had a job. So he was 17. I was 16. But then he was going on 18. I go with my cousin to show him where my sister lives. 
And as I show him where my sister lives, we come back. I go with him. We come back. And lo and behold, the guy that I was dating was there. But he looked so angry. I couldn't understand why he was so angry. I couldn't understand that. But I was just like, what is wrong with him? He's like, where did you go? I said, I'm going to show my cousin where my sister lived. That's not your cousin. I'm like, what? But I had never seen this side of him before. It was an anger that was just undescribable. You can't even describe the type of anger. Now, I know a lot of times, like, you know, we become naive because we see something different. Well, yeah, this guy, he was nice. He was sweet. He bought me food. We went to the movies. We did different things. And he was sweet to my son again. But that same night, it took a twist and a turn again. I said, I cannot be making this up. This is a dream. This is not real. This ain't real. (laughs) So I was in the bathroom. He comes in the bathroom. Yes, we're at my parents' house. So let me say that. We're at my parents' house. Because sometimes he will come upstairs in my room and, you know, and we'll be sitting on the bed playing with the baby or whatever. And I was in the bathroom. He came in the bathroom and he said, that's not your cousin. And I'm like, what? I was like, get out of my face with that. He turns around. He headbutts me and bites me in the face. I said, you've got to be kidding me. This is not happening. He bites me in the face. And from that day on, he became very controlling. I didn't say, um, it's over. I was just, I cried and I was in shock. But the thing is, is that my son had gotten just a little bit older. He wasn't walking yet or getting ready to start to walk. He was starting to walk at the time. But I continued in this relationship with him. But that day he did leave and I was like, I'm done. I can't deal with it. But then guess what he do? (laughs) He keeps calling me and keeps calling me. And he says, I love you. I was like, did he say love? So at this point, with everything that had already happened from the age of 14, Up to this point, I had already lost myself. I didn't even love myself anymore. I didn't even know who I was. I had no self-love at all at that point. But then I took him back. But when I take him back, now remind you, I'm in school. So I've already got one child. 
Then I become pregnant again. And I tell them, I'm pregnant. It's like, he's happy about it. But then I find out that he's messing around with this girlfriend, this girl that he had been with. He continues to be abusive to me. By the time my daughter is born and I'm 17, I think it was, I moved out of my mom and dad's house at the age of 17. When I moved out at the, at the age of 17, we moved together and the abuse got worse. It was worse. I couldn't look in the mirror at myself. I kept asking myself, why? Why me? And at this time, I still had no relationship with God anymore. But I kept saying, why me? I just kept saying, why me? But I'll tell you, this saga continued and continued. But what I can say is that, yes, those were the, the beginning parts of my life. Not even five years span of trauma. But I realized that I'm not my trauma. So many of you can relate to these stories. You can relate to different terms of events and different things that have, have happened in your life. And you constantly say, God, why me? Why me? Well, yes, I'm Dr. Wendy Rhodes. And I am a soul wound care coach and expert that provide a private, confidential, secure space for women to open up about those stories like you just heard. Those were just the beginning portions of my life that I just shared with you. And I believe that you can relate to them. When I look at the stages of wounds, those were the beginning stages of my wounds. My stage one in being a wound care nurse is where you have a closed spirit, which produces anger, bitterness, abandonment, rejection, shame, disappointment, and guilt. If I look at a natural wound on a person's body, you would see redness. You wouldn't even see the skin even cracked open. But these are the things that are deep-rooted and underneath everything but it causes you to lash out, it causes you to have a closed spirit and people are not able to get in. You won't even let people in. So you got the anger, the bitterness, the rejection, the guilt, 
Can you possibly imagine how I felt? So today, I talked about my stage one in the soul. And that's my closed spirit. But I want to say that we have all asked at one point or another, God, why me? God, why me? In Jeremiah 31 and 3, it says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God draws us into him. Even though these things have happened in my life, and yes, I had a closed spirit, it took me a while to get past that. But I've learned to love me. I've learned to give it to God. These are just the beginning phases of my life, of my stage one, of my closed spirit that I wanted to share with you guys, which is a portion of my um, wound care coaching. This is something that we all need to know is why only God knows we can see to the corner but God sees around the corner I thank you for listening to this recording today God gives us beauty for our ashes (laughs) so that we can learn self-love redefined that's beautifully integrated with love. So women overcoming unresolved issues can do it with necessity and determination. Women healing, overcoming, living in exile. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Rose. And I can be reached at selfloveredefined.com. Thank you and have an abundantly blessed day. And remember that you are not your trauma.